happy. One more time. Nice, nice. Turn to somebody and give them a high five and say, don't worry, be happy. We're going to continue our series on habits of happiness, habits of happiness. And today is going to be called how to be happy no matter what, no matter what, how you can be happy. You know, there's a common mistake that I think a lot of us make, and that is the when and then thinking. Like, when I get to college, then I'll be happy. Or when I get married, come on, you married people, when I get married, then I'm going to be happy. Or when I have kids, then I'm going to be happy. And then you're like, when the kids go to school, I'm going to be happy. And then you're like, when the kids are not teenagers anymore. And then you're like this, empty nesters, come on now, when the kids are out of the house, Hey, we're going to be happy, okay? We're always like something more until we get happy. But the truth is, is happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. You have to choose to be happy. You know, there's four what I call common barriers to happiness. And uh, you might even call it kill joy. Everybody say, these kill my joy. Kill joy. Everybody say, kill joy. Here's some kill joy. If you have pain. Anybody have pain in your body or emotional pain? How many say that can be a killjoy to your happiness? I mean, I would, I've been nursing a, a back problem since the first of the year. And, you know, if you don't feel good, sometimes that can do it. People. Sometimes people can be a killjoy. Don't look at your spouse when I say that. Don't look around when I say it. Just look forward. Look forward. Irritating, demanding people. Sometimes people can frustrate us. Come on. They frustrate us, and that can rob us. We talked about relations last week. If you want to listen to that on the podcast, you can. And then we got pressures. Sometimes you've got pressures internally. I believe we put to, I, I think a lot of times we put the pressure on ourselves. But we've got pressure, that's a kill joy. Internally and sometimes pressure out, outside. We met our neighbor yesterday and she said, man, I'm under pressure all the time. Jim, you're under tremendous pressure right now from your job. How many know what outward pressure is? How many say that can take your joy sometimes? And then here's the last one. Problems. Anybody ever have Problems. They can be a killjoy. Uh, we're going to be looking at Philippians 1, but look at verse 27. This is like the key verse today. Whatever happens, everybody say, whatever happens. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner that's worthy of the good news of Christ. You know, Paul had an extremely great example on, uh, to us on how to be happy no matter what. Hey, you got to remember the last four years of Paul's life before he wrote this book which, of Philippians, which is called the happiest book in the Bible. But he was two years in jail in Caesarea for some false charges. Then they said, hey, you're going to go to Rome. So they put him on a ship. And when he went on the ship, the ship had a shipwreck. And so it was shipwrecked, and he's on a log trying to swim in, almost drowned. They're cold and shivering to death, so they put some wood together, and a snake jumps out, a poisonous snake jumps out and bites him because they're trying to get warm. Then savages were on that island, and they kept them hostage for a while, and, and, and stuff like that was going on. But finally, they made it to Rome and then back to prison for two more years. I mean, two more years. And get this, he was chained to a guard 24-7 
chained to a guard. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But Paul had every reason to be bitter, every reason to be unhappy, every reason to be uh, uh, depressed or discouraged or, oh, man, life's so bad for me. But he writes the happiest, most joyful book in the whole Bible. And I want to read this to you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. I wanted to take time to read this today. It says this, Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me, look at this, has actually served. Everybody say, actually served. To advance the gospel. As a result, it's been, become very clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains. I want you to think about if you're in chains. Look how Paul talked about his chains. He said that I am in chains. Everybody say for Christ. And because of my chains, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the, in the Lord. And they're more daring and, and they're proclaiming the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others do it out of goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ. Out of selfish ambition, they're not sincere, supposing that they can just stir up some trouble for me while I'm in these chains. Look at verse 18 in the NIV. I love how it says this. And I want you to say this with me. But what does it matter? Everybody say that with me. What does it matter? Let's do that again. But what does it matter? I want you to remember that. The important thing is that in every way where the false motives are true, Christ is preached. And then look at this. Because of this... I rejoice. Because of this, I rejoice. Yeah, I'm going to continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and through God's provision of the Holy Spirit, that what's happened to me is going to turn out for my good or for my deliverance. Think about that. Verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way bring shame to the Lord, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted whether I live or I die. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, we thank you for the great example of Paul. Lord, that we can be happy no matter what. And Father, I pray today as we unpack these four uh, truths of how we can be happy no matter what. I pray that it would be light to our path in Jesus' name and help to people. Amen. Number one, I can be happy no matter what. Number one, if I look at every problem from God's viewpoint, from God's perspective. You know, even the other day I was hanging out with some businessmen and sometimes somebody coming in from the outside can see things from a different perspective because they're away from the situation and it's a broader look. And a lot of times it's not near as bad as we thought. Well, sometimes we need to pull back and begin to see things in God's perspective. You know, God, we can only see to the corner or to the end of the street. But how many know that God sees around the corner? Sometimes we get so frustrated and so unhappy because what it is is our perspective is so narrow and we can't see things like God sees things. But brothers and sisters, here's the truth. I want you to write this down. God's working out a plan in your life, and Paul knew this. Do you know God's, can work in, God's working out a plan in your life even if you feel like you're failing? Even if you feel like you're sinning? Even if you feel like you're making mistakes? Even if you feel like things aren't going right? Do you know that God is working? Sometimes I'm like, God, I just give you a table of junk, a table of mess. I just give you a messy table all the time. 
How many of you feel like you give God a messy table? And God can take that messy table and always make it good. And he said that. Look, th this verse 12, we got to really see this in Philippians 1.12. I love how it says this in the NIV. Paul said, I want you to know something, brothers and sisters. Church on the Rock, I want you guys to know something today. That whatever has happened has actually served to advance the gospel. You think about it. I'm sure Paul, hey, Paul's dream was to preach in Rome. Paul's dream was, it was like, man, it would be epic if I could go to the Colosseum. And the Colosseum would be packed out. And we could have a hot praise band. And, and, and lots of people would come in from all over Rome. Rome is the center where everything happens. Man, let's fill that place. Let's preach the gospel. And let's see all these people get saved. You know, that's probably his idea. But God's idea, God's idea was make him a prisoner. Make him a royal prisoner, and get this, of the root, the, probably the most ruthless Caesar in history, Nero. Nero hated Christians. That's why Christians were scattered everywhere and meeting in homes because there was so much persecution. But Paul looked at this as an opportunity. He said, you know, actually, actually, this is an opportunity. I am getting to talk to the most influential people in Rome, I'm talking to them all the time. You know, I did some study, and when you were chained to a guard as a prisoner like Paul, they switched out the guard every, every four hours. And it was a 24-7 that you were attached or chained to this, to this guard. So I did the math, and it was like there was a possibility that there were over 4,000 people that Paul was chained to. And my question to you you know, Paul had like some senior swag going on. He, 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 he was like, man, I've, I've lived for the Lord. I've been through so much. It's all cool. Everything's going to work out for God's glory. And I can just imagine him, because the Bible says later that much of, of Nero's guards and much of his influential, the most influential people in Rome, some people think that, that the reason Constantine made Christianity so strong later was because of the effect that Paul made in Rome. And, and, and I, man, I was praying about this, and I was like, if you're chained up to Paul, who's really chained up there? And, and I was like, Paul was like, you know, Jesus Christ, and he's witnessing, and this guy's like trying to get away, and Paul's like, huh, get back here. How many want a captive audience? I want to say, who's really chained here? Paul wasn't chained. He, he said, I may be bound, but the Word of God is not bound. He had something going on here. He said it actually, man, you got to get that in your spirit. It actually, look at what you're going through. Maybe actually God's working something greater. Actually, it looks like it's going horrible, but actually it's going good. We need to change our perspective today. I believe that. I believe that. I want you to just bow your head and say, God, help me to see things from your perspective. Help me to see things with eyes of faith eyes of faith because listen brothers and sisters if you can get where you see things like God sees them when you when, when you get that senior swag and that trust going in the Lord to where you can do it the Bible says this in Philippians 1 13 it says it's a witness to the unbeliever for everyone here including the soldiers in the palace guard everybody knows I'm in chains 
because of Christ. Everybody knows that. Here's the other thing. It's an encouragement to believers. Do you know believers had lost, they were fearful. They were in hiding. They, they were afraid. And, and, but, but, but when they saw Paul in his boldness, you know, it just hit me. Who was really a hostage? Paul wasn't a hostage. He wasn't a hostage. Amen. You're not a hostage to your problems. But when you allow God to take you through all your troubles, it, it, it encourages the people around you. The Bible says this, and because of my imprisonment, many Christians here have gained confidence and become more bold in telling others about Christ. Hey, one more thing about Paul being in prison. How many kind of enjoy, how many of you kind of enjoy First and Second Timothy? That's what First and Second Thessalonians. Anybody enjoy those books? Uh, how many of you enjoy Romans? How many of you enjoy um, uh, Ephesians and Galatians? How many of you enjoy the New Testament? Two-thirds of it was written when Paul was in this prison. Brothers and sisters, quit looking at your situation like you're in a prison. You're not a hostage. You're not imprisoned. God's working in everybody's life. We have to believe that God's in control. You know, that's number one. Number two, I can be happy no, more, no matter what if I never let others control my attitude. Don't let others control my attitude. Paul describes four kinds of people in Philippians 1, 15 through 17. You're going to have critics. Trust me, I've got them. You're going to have critics. You're going to have comrades. You're going to have competitors. And you're going to have conspirators. I'm going to say that again. You're going to have critics, comrades, competitors, and conspirators. In verse 15, it's critics. We'll look at that one first. It says it's true that some preach Christ because they are jealous. They're jealous of Paul, and they're quarrelsome. That quarrelsome comes from the Greek word eris, and that is people who love to just cause conflict. People that love stirring things up or creating controversy. They're contentious, they're decisive, divisive, and they're critical. Kind of sounds like going on social media sometimes, where you just see people and you're like, oh man, I've got some critics out there. Oh, they didn't like me on Facebook, I'm so upset. But, but here's the deal about Paul. Paul, Paul didn't sit and defend himself. And, and I was thinking about this. Paul either couldn't defend himself, because he was, hey, you ever try to to defend yourself and you can't because you're not there Paul couldn't defend himself because he was in prison but I felt the Lord say to me well is it he couldn't or is it he wouldn't and I think it's more that he wouldn't because I learned a long time ago that that I don't need to defend myself that God defends me and we need to be we need to be strong on that here's a happiness hint here's a happiness hint I don't need others approval or permission to be happy Come on, I don't need others' approval or permission to be happy. Don't worry, man, I'm going to be happy. Second one is comrades. Others preach from genuine goodwill. These do it out of love. They know God's given me the work, and they're defending me. They're rooting for us, their success. I look out at Church on the Rock, and some of you, I, I feel it. I feel it. And some of you, I, I don't even look at you when I'm preaching because you get me too fired up. Because you're like, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. And some of you, I don't look at you because you're like, 
I don't like you. I don't like you. <laughs> but 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 you, you just gotta. But but any, anyway, men, some are rooting you on. Brothers and sisters, we need some comrades in the church. We need some people that are defending us and, and, are, and are thinking the good things. Paul had those. And then he had competitors. Others preach Christ not in sincerity, out of selfish ambition. These are ego-driven people. Anybody got any ego-driven people in your, in your life? Don't let them steal your happiness. They put you down. They try to make you look bad. They talk about you behind your back. They like to see that you're, this gets me, that people could be this. Sometimes people like to see you not do good, not succeed. Hey, don't let those people. So some people get bent out of shape with you, and they like want bad things to happen to you. Lord, help people like that, but they're out there. Don't let people like that steal your joy. Anybody with me, say Amen. And then you got, uh, you got conspirators. Others just want to stir up trouble, make more trouble with me. Crazy thinkers, saying things negative, talking about me. But Paul said you're going to have all these in your life. I want to look at the antidote. What's the antidote for his attitude? What was his antidote? Philippians 1.18, you have to get this. You have to get Philippians 1.18. Philippians 1.18. But what does it matter? I think that's my new favorite verse. In fact, forget the rest of the verse. If we could learn those first five words, our lives would be different. What does it matter? You know, I think we need to start getting some WDIM bracelets instead of what would Jesus do bracelets. And we need to wear them on our wrist. WDIM. Where we look down, we say, really, what does it matter next week? What does it matter in six months? What's it matter in six weeks? What's it matter in six days? What's it matter in six hours? What's it matter six minutes from now? What does it matter? I'm going to date myself. How many remember WKRP in Cincinnati? Come on, baby. How many remember WKRP? We need a WDIM. Woo! We need a WDIM that we get tuned into. Anybody out there say amen. We need a WDIM. What does it matter? What does it matter? What does it really matter? Power statement. What he thinks of me in no way controls me. At the end of the day, how, do, how does that affect you unless you let it? Unless you let it. I'm not going to let people control me. At the end of the day, it only controls me if I let it. Here's a fact. Verse 28 says this. Paul was fearless. Be fearless. Are you all there? What, on, on verse 28, it says, be fearless. No matter what opposes you, it'll be a sign of their downfall that, everybody say this, that God is with you and that he will save you. Hey, if God's with us, who can be against us? Anybody out there? If God be with me, who can be against me? When Joseph was thrown in prison by his brothers in a land that he didn't even know the language, the Bible says that Joseph was a prosperous man because God was with him. God, we thank you that you're with us through this. I can do it. We can do it through the Lord. And then verse 29 and 30 says, For you've not given me only the privilege of trusting, but the privilege of suffering. You know, a lot of 
a lot of us haven't even got trusting down, let alone the privilege of suffering, because we don't like to. We are in this fight together, he said. You know, I think we're willing to suffer for our wife and family and children, but suffering for God just really isn't on my top ten list. It's not on a lot of people's list. But we need to know that there can be some suffering. So I can be happy no matter what, one, if I look at problems from God's viewpoint. Two, never let what others say control my attitude. Three, always trust God to work things out. He said, I'll continue to rejoice for I know that you pray for me. I want you to see that. Here's why. Because he knows that you pray for me and the spirit of Christ helps me. All that's happened, I know it's going to turn out. Guys, Paul gives four amazing sources of truth right there on how to be happy no matter what. One, he said, I have God's perspective on my problems. It says, for I know. Everybody say, I know. Here's what he said. I know I have people praying for me. Wouldn't it be amazing to know people are praying for you? You know how important? Paul said, hey, I know it's going to be okay because... I know I have God's perspective. I have people praying for me. I have the Holy Spirit with me. He's helping me. He's empowering me. And I also know this. I have faith that God's going to work it out. Therefore, I choose. Everybody say, I choose. I choose to be happy. I choose to be happy. I heard a story the other day. I heard a story the other day about an, uh, an elderly woman who was very poor. Very poor, and she had something, true story, she had something wrong with her body to where she wasn't able to work. She didn't have a lot of income from the government, didn't have family in town. All she had was a little Baptist church. All she had was a little church, and she had um, them to help some, but they didn't really help. So she was kind of out there on her own. Well, things were going real bad. And when things were going real bad, you got to remember, I'm from the South, so I really enjoyed this story. It was going really bad for her, and she started singing this. And here's why I'm saying this. Because Paul said, I will continue to rejoice. Yeah, I'm going to rejoice. I want you to think that. I, I will continue. Yeah. Because everybody's like, you're going to keep rejoicing? Everybody say, well, yeah. I, to me, it's, it's like, hello, of course. We got to keep, uh, yeah, I'm going to keep rejoicing. God's still on the throne last I knew. Okay, and, but anyway, this woman goes, well, I've got a feeling, because she was encouraging herself, that everything's going to be all right. Woo, Jesus. Well, I've, I've got a feeling, yeah. That everything is going to be all right. The way she did it would be right. Woo, Jesus. Well, I. Well, this guy, her neighbor was listening singing, got a feeling. Ooh, that everything. When they do the oohs, I'm telling you, it's powerful. My first church. This is the way I was. I was 19 years old preaching in my first church. And, and when I'd get on things, I didn't know my head from a hole in the ground, 19 years old, trying to senior pastor church. This woman would go, Sister Margie, she'd go, oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I'd be like, 
what, what? She Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then she go, help him, Lord. Woo! Help him, Lord. And then she'd grab her handkerchief. Woo! Help him, Lord. And she would do that. And man, I'm like getting, I'm having trouble concentrating and, and stuff. So, so don't you guys start going, Woo, Jesus. Help him, Lord. No, I do need you to do that. Everybody say, Woo, Jesus. Help him, Lord. Help him, Lord. Well, anyway, she was doing that. This atheist, true story. This atheist was like, um, I'm going to help this lady. So he went and bought three bags of groceries. When she wasn't looking, um, he went and put them on her, on her deal. She knocked on the, he knocked on the door. She came out and she goes, Woo, Jesus. And she goes, God did it. God did it. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God did it. God did it, did it, did it, did it, did it. The book, that when I was there, they said she said it 75 times. God did it. God did it. Well, this atheist jumps out. He's like, hey, God didn't do it. God did not do that. There is no God. He did not put these groceries on your step. No, brother. No, 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 no. God did it. God did it. And she kept saying, he said, no, God didn't do it. I did it. There's no God. I did this. And then she goes, no, God did it. Thank you. He did it. God did it. God did it. Well, anyway, he goes, no, it didn't. And he pulled out the receipt and says, God did not do this. I did this. And she goes, whoo, thank you, Lord. God did it. God did it. God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. Woo, glory to God. That's what I'm talking about. We need to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 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 Woo, glory to God. Abraham Lincoln was going through one of the toughest times in history. They said he read Psalms 34 all the time where you couldn't even see his Bible. And Abe Lincoln would say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul, which is my thoughts, my intellect, my thinking, my soul will make her boast in thee, O Lord, and the humble will hear thereof and be glad. Abraham Lincoln said, United States of America, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. God did it. God did it. God's always, somebody say always. God's always going to work things out for the good. Hallelujah. Number four, stay focused. Oh, Chad, it feels good to blow the cobwebs out every once in a while. <laughs> Built for speed, baby. Woo, stay focused on my problems. Stay focused on my Stay focused on my, not my problem, not my problems. Viktor Frankl wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. He was in Auschwitz, death camp in Nazi Germany. 
His family and friends were murdered right in front of his eyes through being shot or gas chambers. He was starving, cold, and naked. People were dying of starvation. In the book, he even says, they even took my wedding ring. All of a sudden, I was standing there in front of the people, naked, raining, and they had taken all that they could take from me. There was nothing else. And then I realized there's something they couldn't take away from me, and that was my choice, my right to choose how I will respond. Nobody could take that from me. I cannot control what other people do to me. I cannot control what other people do around me. But I can control how I respond. I choose to trust the Lord and be happy at all times. Brothers and sisters, we live in such a time of comfort. We're so removed from this kind of suffering where we can't even, it doesn't even calculate. Guys, this kind of suffering. I think World War II, that generation, the builder generation, that's a dying breed. Those people knew what suffering was about. Those people that went through the Great Depression, the things that they went through, they knew what suffering was about. But we're so removed, there's like no frame of reference for that. We're like, I don't really get that. I believe that was the last generation that really understood suffering. We get all bent out of shape if the Wi-Fi don't work. If our shoes don't fit like they're supposed to fit. We let it blow our day if we put an Instagram or something on Facebook and the expectation of likes that we wanted it to get. It didn't get it. We have a meltdown. We have a meltdown on stuff all the time. But I want to tell you, they took everything away from Paul. And I want us as Christians to start getting some grit. I want us as Christians to start getting some strength. I want you to look at this Philippians. And I want you to start getting God's perspective. I want you to quit letting people and situations and things around you. I want us to get our focus on Christ. I don't want people to steal things. I want us to, 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 to get this sermon today. Paul had every reason to be upset. But he said... I have a purpose for living, and while I'm living, it's Christ. I have a purpose for living, and while I'm living, it's going to be Christ. He even said, I have a purpose for dying, and it's still going to be Christ. But let's keep it simple. Our purpose is Christ. Whether I die or live, it's Christ. Here's a happiness hint. Happiness doesn't come from self-gratification. It comes from self sacrifice Paul summed up his purpose with this for to me to live is Christ I want you all to grab your inserts right now all of you grab your inserts for me to live is Christ and to die is gain how would you fill in the blank on your insert it says for me to live is and then there's a blank is there a blank on your insert How would you fill in that blank? Well, if I'm going to live, if I'm going to be happy, is it entertainment? Is it money? Or is it sports, friends, family, a financial gain, emotional or relational health? Is it prestige? Is it education? What does it take to put in that blank? 
where you'll be happy. I close with this statement. How you fill in that blank will determine your happiness. Dear Jesus, I want us to pray. Everybody bow your heads. Pray with me. If I say something you agree with, praying in agreement just means where you're saying, yeah, I want that. What pastor just prayed, do that for me. I'm going to pray some stuff. If it, if it resonates with you, if it, if it speaks to you, say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Dear Jesus, do you know that I often let my circumstances determine my happiness? If that's you, say, that's me, Lord. And often I allow the killjoys of pain, problems, pressures, people. They're robbing me, Jesus. They're robbing me of my happiness. They're robbing me of my joy. Is that you? Now then, let's change this thing. But starting today, let's practice these four secrets that Paul modeled. Right now, wherever you're at, I want you to pray this. Help me to look at every problem from your viewpoint. Help me to handle my problems in a way that glorifies you. It's a way of a witness to unbelievers around me, and it encourages the people I'm walking life with. Just say, Lord, help me get your perspective. Second thing, help me to remember that what others say doesn't control my happiness. Right now, if you're wounded with words, if you're wounded with words and you're wounded with what people think of you, right now I want you to let that go. And don't let that control you anymore. Lord, I let that go. It doesn't control me anymore. And then I want you to pray for things that happen that I don't understand. How many of you feel like things are happening and it's out of your control and you don't understand? I don't understand it. I'm in a prison. But right now I want you to say, I may be in a prison, but I'm chained to Jesus. That's what the word said. Chain me to you. I trust you. I trust you to work it out. I trust you to work it out. And then the last thing is this. Help me to stay focused on my purpose in life. Don't let me be distracted by my problems. I want to serve my life. I want to give my life to serve you. I want to give my life to serve others. And Lord, I want to be with you in eternity from this day on. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say amen. Say amen. Say amen. Now I want you to grab that same sheet out. I want you to grab that same sheet out. And now I want you to fill in the blank. For me, to live is Christ. Everybody put Christ in there. Come on. To me, to live is Christ. To me, to live is Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're the glory and you're the lifter of my head. Lord, I speak life into this church body. I speak life into every situation, God. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Father, I pray for a new perspective. Lord, I pray for new beginnings today. I pray for new strength in Jesus' name. Put on the garments of praise for the 
spirit of heaviness. Come on, lift up your voice to God and say hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Yes, Lord, good. Oh, you are good. Yes, Lord, good. You're good. Oh, you are. You're good. Whoa. Let me go. Good. You're good. Oh, you are never gonna let. You're never gonna let me die. Come on. Um, you're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let. You're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Right now, in the name of Jesus, if you're in this church and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I believe God wants a come to Jesus moment right now. Right now, you can come to Jesus. If you're away from the Lord or you've never known the Lord Jesus, I want you to know that he died and he gave his life so that we might have life. I want you to know that he took your sin. He took your shame. He took your punishment. He took your mistakes on the cross 2,000 years ago. And he gave you his peace and his righteousness and his love. Oh, some of you are without peace today. Some of you are without the, the God in your heart and you're alone. And you don't know which way to turn. I believe this is a come to Jesus moment. Right now where you're at. Right now where you're at. If you need to come to Jesus, I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you today. I've not been walking with you. I strayed from you or maybe I've never known you Lord but I want you today I want that joy that he's talking about I want that peace that he's talking about Jesus come into my heart come into my heart forgive me of my sin give me your righteousness I believe that you died and that you rose on the third day and the Bible says if you prayed that if you prayed that, the Bible says that you are saved. Now seriously, seriously, before we go any further, if you prayed that, I want you to throw your hand up in confidence. I prayed that today. If you prayed that, throw your hand up in confidence because people will rejoice with you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Right now, the prayer team's going to come up.
If you prayed that prayer or you need to be baptized or you need prayer because you're sick or you need counsel or you need help, prayer team, come up. Come up here, prayer team. They're ready for you. While they're coming up, one more thing while they're coming up.